Dude, I don't even know what to do here. Like, FSU got an offensive tackle. (laughs) (laughs) We were having technical issues. All the things that uh, everyone said about Atkins are so true. It's just been incredible the job that he's done and probably where we need to start the conversation. But Lucas Simmons, big, absolute, true tackle, as you said. Big kid, great bend. A lot to be really excited about as to how he projects. Uh, declares for Florida State today. You beat some of the leaders in the NIL game to get him. Well, this, you know, felt like we've been on a little bit of a roller coaster ride over the last six weeks or so uh, with recruiting and state of the program, conference, everything else. Uh, but today's a, a really nice day and continues uh, a long theme of you working yourself out of one hell of a hole along the offense line, offense tackle in particular. And uh, Simmons is a massive get. So, no doubt about it. Uh, by the way, thanks everybody for notification, gang. Obviously, this is the Nolcast. We don't put out a lot of social media about this sometimes. Sometimes we do. It just depends on if we're able to go live or not able to go live with our schedules. Uh, but I think tonight we have a pretty clear runway to do it. FSU does land Lucas Simmons, six foot seven, 300 pound offensive tackle at a Clearwater Academy. He's from Sweden. He has not been playing football all that long. And this is a kid I've actually seen a decent bit, several different camps. Got a chance to see him over several different years. So, uh, you know, he was at last year's mega camp, obviously. I saw him again at the Under Armour uh, Miami camp down there. And uh, I got to tell you, I was impressed by his growth uh, physically, but also as a player. Uh, Now, he was good last year at the mega camp. You knew he had some real potential. Uh, But I think this year at Under Armour, as I, you know, said probably when I came back from that uh, you know, a couple months ago. Uh, he was very impressive, man. And one, one thing that really stuck with me, so this is a guy who's grown up playing some handball, and that's pretty wild. It's kind of like when you hear about one of these enormous dudes who grew up playing soccer, right? Um, the thing is, that can give you some different skills, almost like one of these dudes who grows up playing hoops. And the, the one skill of his that really sticks with me is his balance, Right. And I, I love that in offensive linemen. I think Brad Kearney has that maybe in a little bit different way. Uh, but for a guy who is is this big and this long, uh, he does not seem to overextend very much. And watching him handle uh, speed rushers in South Florida. And yes, that camp was not loaded at receiver, but you had most of your better offensive and defensive linemen uh, in the state of Florida there at that camp because you know, a lot of the guys were out at that seven on thing uh, on the same day. But that's not really applying or applicable rather to Lyman, I repeatedly saw him uh, not get beat with speed off the edge, but not overcommit. Uh, when the guys did try to counter to the inside, he, he was able to maintain his balance, quickly reset to the inside. And for a kid who does not have a whole lot of ass on him right now, Ingram, and I, I mean that in a good way, like you want you want your offensive lineman to, you know, to be to be deep. Okay. There's wide and there's deep. And he's not that deep yet, but he's not narrow frame. Okay, he's not like a, um, oh, uh, he's not like Charlton wide, right? From from last year's class. If you guys have seen that kid, he's he's built like a refrigerator box. Uh, Lucas Simmons is is not built like that. But I was impressed because he doesn't look three hundred pounds necessarily, except that he's you know six foot seven. But he had the ability to to sit down in his stance and also absorb the bull rush, which you're not even supposed to do uh, bull rush. That is in those non-padded camp settings. He was able to, to you know, sit back, take that, not give ground. I And also important, and I always look for this, right? 
those Miami camps and like I would say a couple other cities, like I think the Houston camp and sometimes the Atlanta camp, New Orleans camps got this somewhat too. Some of those kids down there have an edge to them, right? And I'm talking about like if they don't win the rep, they try to fight or they're, they're trying to, they're trying to cheap shot you late. And Simmons was absolutely getting in these guys' heads. And he was not having any of that. Hmm. So he's got a little bit of, of that FU to him that you, you wonder, like with a kid from Sweden, he hasn't played a whole lot of, you know, that type of, of competition, yeah. right? And he's got a little bit of that Zach Wilson dog in him. Absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah, but no, it's, it's great to hear about a European kid having that or, a, you know, a kid that uh, grew up in Sweden and the, uh, Interesting to hear you talk about the handball. Certainly agree with you about balance. Also, uh, as the name of the sport denotes, it's all about hand placement, hand-eye coordination, using your hands. I think you just got some really raw tools here to be excited about. And you know what? It makes the other guys that you've gotten recently have to work all the harder. I think it's as good of a thing for Julian Armella uh, as it is for, you know, <laughs> for to get Lucas Simmons almost himself. I just think it's great to continue to bring in really high quality prospects here and, and not let anybody have an idea that they're just going to start be a three-year starter because they're the only body in the, in the room that, that is a real, you know, D one uh, power five body. So I think it's great. And uh, hats off to Atkins and whoever else is involved in absolutely turning around a position group over the last two to three years. That was really as bad as, as any group in big time college football. So I, I want to go back like a year ago for two things. Number one, you mentioned Darmella, who I think is a quality prospect. Uh, I don't think he's quite as good of a prospect as Simmons is, but I could be wrong on that. And FSU, if they want to get to where they want to go, uh, they're going to need both those guys to hit. So it's not a knock on him. But uh, Simmons was much better at the same camp a year apart uh, than Armella was. And that was the camp that Armella showed up in great shape to and then was you know in one-on-ones a little bit disappointing relative to the excitement that I had watching him you know, walk, walk through the gate that day when he showed up in great shape. Uh, but you mentioned Alex Atkins. Uh, look, he's the best recruiter on the staff. Uh, he makes great connections with kids. I also think that, remember when people, why are we doing this mega camp? Remember all those questions we got? This is this is so silly. And the, the real reason was because you needed to jumpstart your relationships with high school coaches in the state because you hadn't been able to get out on the road and meet these guys for 18 months due to COVID, which is very unfortunate, right? That's that's a handicap if you got hired in, uh, you know, in, in, in uh, shoot in 2020, that's difficult. Um, but Simmons is one of the kids there, right? Like that's, that's kind of, kind of worth it. And that's Tell where me I think you get to put on a, a three day camp and get a four star tackle uh, two years later. That's money well spent. Absolutely. Top, top 150 kid for sure. Um, you know, he's not to me like a day one guy impact. Now, that's not saying he couldn't start day one. I, I don't know. Like, it's, how do you gauge just how much better he can get in one year for a guy that hasn't been playing much football? I, I'm not going to say he's definitely not going to start day one. I wouldn't project him to start day one, but I think he has the upside, certainly, of a multi year starter for you. Um, CAI is, you know, Clearwater Academy International does not really play a great schedule week in, week out. Okay, it's not a huge school. They will play a couple really good teams, uh, but you know, it's it is what it is. So there will be some culture shock most likely when he gets to campus and he plays guys who were former four stars or five stars rushing off the edge. And certainly when he plays in, not that the ACC is a great league, uh, but 
the defensive line talent in that league gets drafted second only to the to the SEC typically. So uh, they do produce defensive linemen at a fairly high rate. Uh, but yeah, man, absolutely credit Alex Atkins. Uh, and also, I think you got a credit credit NIL here. To me, this is a kid that you need both. You need a tremendous relationship from Alex Atkins because let's face it, the other schools that you're recruiting against all have new coach smell, right? Josh Heupel, Billy Napier. Granted, Florida's not killing at recruiting, but they're certainly you know, riding that wave of having a new coach, new excitement. And Lincoln Riley there at USC. You also, I mean, his dad played for Oklahoma. That They have new coach smell as well on the recruiting trail. I think you needed NIL as a major part of this. Just obviously you can't strike deals with kids in the state of Florida before they get on campus, but you do need to show what you can do. Uh, and obviously a lot of a lot of our listeners donated the Rising Spear. I think it's going to be really, uh, really important to continue to donate to Rising Spear if you want to continue to be in these matchups. I, I don't think FSU is ever going to be the number one NIL thing out there because just fan base limitations. But I think you needed to have that. I think you need to have just a tremendous job uh, of working by Alex Atkins. Uh, and he's 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 turning that room around quickly, man. It's very impressive. Very exciting for Simmons. Uh, good for this fan base. Like I said, had a couple ups, a couple downs recently in recruiting, but uh, it's a it's a room that's been turned around, and it's a room that's uh, you know in a position coach that's almost getting to the point where he can uh, not quite say his work's done yet for the year, but uh, they're not they're not all that far off. Uh, looking forward as far as what's left in the class and what's left to be done. Uh, who else and and how else do you see them trying to? continue to improve the offensive line room. So I think they are primarily whale hunting right now. Uh, but you got to remember that the 25 cap for like the maximum bringing in 25 guys in class is getting lifted. Mm-hmm. So if they decide, Hey, we, like, what if they have a better season than, than they're expecting to have, right? Or rather, I, I can't say than they're expecting to have, cause I don't know exactly how good they think they're going to be this year. Right. Last year, I was very confident in saying the staff would absolutely take six and six and hit the fast forward button. We got a ton of hell for that, but in hindsight, staff knew what they were looking at, I think. Um, although the starting McKenzie Milton for those games, maybe not. Anyway, um, it would not shock me if they take six offensive linemen in this class. If they really get hot and Atkins has those great relationships, maybe they take seven. But if, if they were to take seven, I think it would have to be a situation in which some of those kids who just got on campus are not as good as you thought they were. Right. And you're like, okay, we need to bring in more bodies right now. We're going to quickly have to start creating competition to churn a little bit. Right. But I think it wouldn't shock me if six, you know, six go. And and how smart does FSU look now for locking Alex Atkins up to that multi year deal with the big raise and making him the offensive coordinator? I mean, he he's the best thing you got going right now (laughs) on this staff. Clearly the best thing they've got going. Good decision by Florida State and one that was very obvious that they had to get done, but uh, still good on them for doing that. And yeah, you've got as dynamic a recruiter as there is in college football right now, particularly, I mean, I know it makes for great internet memes and uh, you know, we had our own chuckle today on social media, but it's hilarious. You're beating two offensive line coaches at, at Florida and everything else. Uh, like you talked about, you beat some of the bigger names in NIL and uh big get for Atkins, big get for Florida state, Hey, a four-star legit bona fide top 150 offensive lineman. Uh, we can, it's it's well deserved to spend 12 minutes out the gate on. Yeah, I I, I mean we we can spend 20 I I guess if we need to. Uh, what does he need to work on? Um, I would say upper body strength and punch 
is probably you know something that you, if you see him, he's not like real built up top, so that that can get a little bit better. So he has a better punch when he is you know when he is settled. Obviously, he'll get a little bit wider. Um, he doesn't need to get that much bigger. I know Chris Singletary. Uh, if you saw him on CBS Sports HQ today, obviously my employer very excited that Lucas Simmons committed on CBS Sports HQ. It seems like that's pretty much where all the top kids go to commit now, which is a, that's a nice thing we got going there. Um, Singletary, who you know played for Michigan and and uh, you know was an agent as well, and has seen a lot of these guys. He thinks Simmons can get to be three hundred thirty pounds, right? I mean, like I. I I can't totally rule it out because he doesn't have any bad weight on him right now. So maybe he does. It's at six seven three thirty looks different than like six four three thirty. You know that's that's fine by me. This will be a lot of recruiting talk tonight, and maybe a little conference realignment talk. There's been some some interesting reports out there uh, in in recent days on that. Uh, not all of them positive for FSU. Maybe maybe some some glimmers of hope there. Uh, yeah, we'll see if it's short term or. Or long term, but yeah, I think let's uh, let's go ahead and talk about the Desmond Ricks thing. Let's do talk about Ricks. Uh, before we do, let's thank our sponsors, Louisiana Hot Sauce and Tarpon Cellars. They're open, hit you with the cold open, and jumped into conversation. And uh, want to always thank them for what they do. And what they do is make conversations like this possible. TarponCellars.com is the website. Nolcast twenty uh, Nolcast is the coupon code for twenty percent off. And thank you so much. Uh, for the support that you've continued to show our friends out in Napa Valley. Um, so Desmond Ricks, kid that we were talking about a couple months ago, uh, originally from Virginia, by all accounts, large Florida State fan uh, in April, had talked that he was uh, either close to or in the plans of uh, committing. That never came to fruition. Recruitment seemed to take a significant change of path uh, from there on. So why we're talking about him today, in case you're not otherwise familiar with this is that he uh, recently put out a top 10 image. Florida state was not involved. Uh, the larger piece of news was the follow-up that Florida state had supposedly not contacted him for a couple months. And uh, the quote was more or less, I guess they believe that they're out of it or something to that sort. So Rick's potential number one overall prospect kind of consensus top five, top eight kid next year. Absolutely. So you're talking about one of the truly elite kids of the 24 class. You know, uh, look, I said this a couple months ago about 24 kids in general. I'm not going to get too worked up on it just because you've got to play this season. And this season is so impactful as to trajectory of the program, who's going to be recruiting these kids, everything else, uh, that I'm not going to get too worried about 24 kids. But at the same time, when you have a quote like that from one of the better kids in the country and a kid that by all accounts – no less than 90 days you were having conversations surrounding a commitment with. That's a strange turn. Absolutely. So, you know, I was texting with, with Chris Nee and, and Zach Blostein after this, this came up and my initial thought was, I don't really give a damn, you know, because I don't think that FSU is going to be in a position to sign a top five player in the country this year or next year. The staff has a losing record right now. Okay. It's very hard for me to imagine a record that they're going to have that is going to cause them to have a winning record by the time this kid commits, assuming he waits in, until next year. Now, they can play in that you know 100 to sort of 450 range, which is the sweet spot that they need to be in right now. I don't think they're going to sign a kid like Desmond Ricks at this point. He is probably the best testing numbers in the history of IMG Academy. Now, FSU was giving this kid a whole lot of love initially, right? 
and they thought he was going to commit. The thing is, like Bama and Georgia, those two schools can wait and and then make their move. And they did, right? They started showing the kids some more love. He said, actually, I'm not going to commit when he was planning to commit on April 8th. Okay. So I do think that's just kind of some of the background on this. The kid's quote, though, is still not something you can have. It's damaging, right? Like the coaches right now were on vacation, or it was the weekend. They can't host visitors right now because it's part of the dead period until July 30th, which, again, I actually think at Citadel Showtime, they're going to have a really nice nice showing. So not all is is you know falling in FSU recruiting. But when I saw this, I was like, okay, three things could have happened here. Maybe there's more, but the three things I immediately identified and I texted you, I said, number one, they screwed up. Number two, maybe they just realized that they were not going to get this kid. Maybe they didn't like the vibes they were getting from or whatever, and they decided to cut bait. Number three is maybe they're on like a six-month NCAA no contact thing, which does happen with – like sometimes you get turned in for talking to recruits who are underclassmen when you're not supposed to even though pretty much everybody does it, like occasionally you do get popped. And so that could be why the kid's saying, hey, like they haven't talked to me. Now, I checked around and FSU denies that they have not talked to him at all. But I don't think it was like a super strong denial, man. And I do think that they probably did not talk to him as much after he decided that he was not going to commit on April 8th and he was going to explore his options. Now, look, if they had told me number two, that, hey, we realize we're not going to get this kid, and we're not going to waste our time? I really wouldn't have minded that answer because they're not going to get this kid. I'm not an idiot. I work in recruiting. They're not going to get him. You had to be, I think, a moron to think they were actually going to get A.J. Harris or, or or Tony Mitchell once Bama or Georgia you know, decided they were going to step it up in, in that thing. That's just not where you are as a program right now. So like that wouldn't have, wouldn't have bothered me. But that's not that's not what I got from my sources, Okay. And so that is disappointing. And obviously, even if you did decide that you weren't going to recruit him anymore, I think you would need to have a – you probably need to communicate it to the kid, right? And then thus you'd avoid maybe something like this. Now, there's all kinds of other things that go on in recruitments. I'm not saying specifically to, to Desmond Ricks here. But, like, sometimes proposed commitments are used as leverage to get another school to offer or another school to drop a bag, Right. Uh, sometimes top tens are ordered in a certain way uh, to send messages as far as like, again, not with Desmond Rick specifically. I'm just saying I, I have seen this quite a bit in recruiting in the decade plus that I've been doing this. Like kids do use that kind of stuff. So my mind also went there. I was like, I wonder if that's if something is going on, going on there. Uh, but I mean, look, man, even though I don't think you're going to get those kids that I just named right? Like a Tony Mitchell or AJ Harris or Desmond Ricks. Like that's just not the kind of kid that they're able to get right now. They need to be playing in that 100 to 450 range, the sweet spot. I talked about this all last year. I think the year before too, you're not going to beat Bam and Georgia for kids unless it's a legacy or you have some really weird connection. And I mean, really weird. So not weird's the wrong word, unique, right? But man, I, I got to say, like we said this last episode, we said this two episodes ago. I don't think they made the necessary changes in the back end, right? I don't like the hire of Brandy Shannon. I think that you you made that hire because the kids relate to him and they don't relate as well to Fuller. I think that was kind of papering over an issue. And I think you had the opportunity to make the change with Marcus Woodson after you missed on Hunter and you didn't do it. 
And I think it, you're paying for it right now on the recruiting trail. I think you're back. I think your back seven coaching staff is not good on the recruiting trail right now at all. Yeah. Uh, it would have been a tough thing to do uh, to move on Woodson at the time, but uh, look, I'm, I'm selective with my words on this podcast because uh, it's not a podcast of insignificance and I don't like, you know, suggesting that people should lose their job or whatever else, but the whole basis of this podcast is built on you and I giving each other are they epic and quality recruiters? I have a real concern about Marcus Woodson, man. I, I think that he yeah. has had his heart ripped out with a Travis Hunter thing. And to an extent, I have a massive amount of empathy for him. I, I I get it. But this is not the first kind of whisper in the wind of some real questionable stuff, particularly with defensive backs. I understand. I understand from his perspective. If I took a kid who was the number one kid in the country, the best kid that I'm probably going to recruit in my career, and I was anywhere from 72 hours to three weeks from signing him, uh, depending on who you listen to. And it all unraveled at the end that I'd have a hard time getting my internal engine fired up to do that, that dance again for a 2024 kid. But that doesn't, I can't really be a coach and be concerned with your internal feelings. I mean, if the level of recruiting is not there, which I'm telling you guys, I have real concerns if it is when it comes to recruiting defensive backs right now, then you're you're in a bad place because you already have some real questionable selections on the staff, some of which you just alluded to uh, a moment ago. Woodson has to be a plus recruiter for you because, honestly, y'all, I'm not sure he's a plus coach. Uh, he has to be a plus recruiter, and he's not right now. And that's, that is a problem for Mike Norvell in Florida State. Yeah, I mean, I, I – I think Mike is a very active manager. Like he's not super hands off. He, like he's extremely energetic and the guy works really hard. I, I, maybe he just has to manage even harder on some of these guys to make sure that they are all uh, putting in the same effort level that like an Atkins is or, you know, uh, like a Tokars, I think who works really hard at this stuff. Um, or, you know, hello, Dell's doing a nice job this year, right? And last year as well, and Papuchas. You know, it, it does show. Now, I do not think it's unrealistic to think that everybody is going to be able to recruit at the level of Alex Atkins on this staff. No staff has that many superstars. But everybody can try hard. Everybody can give effort. Everybody can believe in themselves. And I'm not sure you have that going on all the time, man. I, I think you do it at some spots, but, you know, like, Yeah. So anybody that inherited this job after the two previous inhabitants were going to be playing kind of whack-a-mole at times. And what yeah. I mean is there were going to be periodic problems that arose and things that have been kind of stashed, kicked in the can, been kicked down the road, whatever. But when you're playing whack-a-mole and then like you're constantly getting, I'm using wild metaphors here, but like you're constantly getting a pot of, pot of boiled water thrown on you and just these crises that are continuing to erupt, uh, particularly tied to recruiting, then there comes a time where some of that responsibility comes on you. Either Mike or whoever it may be is going to have to monitor recruiting, just as you said, and be a micromanager on a bunch of guys that you really shouldn't have to be. I mean, it's uh, you went through last year, and at, at points uh, there were there were times where I think Mike Morvell got really frustrated with staff. I mean, there were there were times where I think in meetings it might have just been easier for coaches to say we're good on guys rather than actually giving an update as to where they stood. I think Mike Norvell, 
you know, address that uh, a couple times. But at some point, you got to look in the mirror as to why these crises in this particular area keep coming up and why there aren't some kind of operational solutions to stop what are really public dropping of the ball. I mean, we've talked about the Ricks kid, but KJ Bolden, the kid that honestly, since the time he was an eighth grader, was clearly going to be one of the best kids uh, in his class, uh, commented similar. There were there were numerous individuals who kind of backed up this idea and KJ Bolden, some real by concerns the way, with where you don't are. know is some people think he is the best player in the country for 24. We we have him as the number one athlete in the whole nation, the number three player overall in the country. He was a kid that was dominating practice at Buford as a freshman. Yeah, All like right? that's I mean, not a kid FSU is going yeah. to get. When I say it was clear that he was going to be one of the best prospects in the country as an eighth grader, that's not hyperbole. That's it, it's been real damn obvious for a while. Did like his dad and grandfather play for FSU? Because if not, I don't really mind them not talking. And I think there's a whole like like piling on effect here too, right? Kids kids see somebody posting something on social media and are like, oh yeah, me too. Now, Certainly, that, yeah, that's it not becomes... an excuse for Woodson. And again, like right. if if Mike Norvell's tenure works out here long term, is this the defensive staff that he's winning with long term? I don't believe so. Not the back seven, but I I do have a hard time knocking. It's a thing. Like the PR hits bad. The process probably bad because the reason for the process wasn't good. But if you just told me, hey, they're purposely like just not going to talk to guys who are obvious top 10 players in the country unless they have a real in with them, I wouldn't mind for the next year. Like they're not going to get those kids anyway. Like I'm realistic about that. If the process was a, a, directed process that I felt was done with absolute intention, there right. wouldn't be a problem with that. It, it'd be the exact situation that we were exceptionally critical of Willie for, for holding on the idea that you were going to sign, you know, best offensive tackle in the country. You weren't. Don't tell yourself that. Don't roll into signing day thinking that. So it's a, it's an unfortunate situation that I don't think is absolutely, uh, you know, there's areas of gray here. Um, but on the whole, there's some, you know, concerning tales as to some of the holes in Florida State's recruiting. And, you know, it's just uh, whether it be Mike, whether it be some of the additional people that they put in the building, uh, I think you're going to have to review some processes and recruiting and, and ultimately be a more micromanager, which is a stupid thing to have to do when you're paying people, uh, you know, $650,000 or whatever some of these position coaches are getting. But that's the reality of the situation. All right. The other reality of the situation is that Nolcast Loans continues to absolutely crush it. I saw Shannon tweeting three more loan closings this week. That is Did we uh, get some private equity company and uh, money and acquire the company? Are we? Well, the graphic says Nolcast Loans. Technically, oh, we, okay. are not, sure. we are not funding the loan, but yes. uh, we, 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 do, we do love it. Those guys do a tremendous job. 844 FSU Loan, 844 FSU Loan. We've been with Chad and Shannon for we, four years now? Try to maybe five. Are we coming up on five years? A nickel? Wow, I don't think it's five. I think it's four. I'm trying to remember, I I was still I was not living in Orlando at the time, so it's, uh, it's the exact process that I used to date everything in my life. Now it was like, <laughs> where was I living? And what, yeah, so, but yeah, absolutely. Uh, Regardless of where Bud and I are living, uh, and and Bud's living where he is uh, immediately because of the individuals that we're talking about, uh, there is no better team. Uh, FSU Home Loan, eight four four. 
FSU loan, 844 FSU loan, best guys in the business. You couldn't work with anybody better than Shannon and Chad is as large and energetic a fan as there possibly is. I did ask him as to whether or not we could get a loan on, uh, on some media buyouts. And he said, uh, give me a couple months dog. You know, I'm not quite ready to loan hundreds of millions of dollars, uh, towards a conference change, but, uh, circle back in six weeks. So if Chad could that, do Chad. it, he would definitely do it. He, oh, Chad like, would like there. Yes. Yeah. Uh, we, yeah under, that would be loans would be under <laughs> <He would fund>. <laughs> <laughs> like a thousand months. Same as cash. <laughs> oh gosh. Um, okay. So I do actually have a lot of positive recruiting news tonight that I, I want to discuss. Uh, again, we started positive. We rushed through some of the negative stuff. What did we go? 12 minutes on the Rex thing. Okay. Like, I do think the kid probably has somewhat of a legitimate complaint. I don't think that it's FSU doesn't doesn't believe it's accurate to say that they didn't talk to him at all. So there's some dispute there. Are there other motivations for him posting what he did? Possibly, certainly a lot of people involved in recruiting. Uh, not always just the kid and coach and, and high school coach, but uh, you know we'll see what happens there. They're not going to get him regardless. Like they could have called him illegally every single day on the hour. It's not going to matter. Like you're where you are as a program right now is not going to allow you to land the most athletic player in the history of IMG period. So in the end, probably much to do about nothing except the PR hit. And I agree. It probably exposes some issues that you need to take care of, which hopefully Mike Norvell will before this blows up and hurts him for an actual real recruit that they could, you know, lose unless you think that's already happened, which, you know, who knows? Uh, quarterback Brock Glenn probably speeding up the timetable on committing. FSU could be in a good spot there, man. This will be uh, this would be a, a really nice ad for reasons that Glenn is a a really good prospect who has some impressive film and I think is very much the quarterback that Mike Morville kind of wants for his system. Uh, I also think that it may give you some clarity uh, as to the quarterback position. I would like for Chris Parson to be in the class, impressed with the tools that he has. Uh, but that's not a guy that you can have as a one quarterback class, at least not Florida state can't sign a one quarterback class in my opinion of only uh Parson. So, you know, maybe you see him move to another school. Maybe you see him uh state that he's clearly fine with two quarterbacks and let's roll. So hopefully it'll give us a little bit of clarity there, but as far as if Florida state's able to get Glenn, it's a nice uh, recruiting get. I think it gives you a little bit of confidence uh, in what you have in Tony Tokars, uh, it's become fairly clear that you lost a pretty decent asset in uh, Dillingham. And if, uh, you know, Tokars is able to show his recruiting chops in a manner like that and get Glenn, I think that's uh, something to take note of in and of itself. I, it's interesting you say that. And we don't disagree a whole lot on this show. And I'm not totally disagreeing with you, man. Um, but like... I'm trying to think who Dillingham would have got here that like Tokars can't get. You know what I'm saying? He he did get some guys last year committed, although they didn't all like a lot of them didn't didn't stick because you started 0 and 4. I thought he was really high energy, but like is Dillingham getting Dante Moore at another school? And I like Kenny, like full disclosure, like I, I you know I'm still friendly with him. But don't you think? I mean, Oregon's NIL program is just ridiculous right now. You know, when, when they when they beat out USC for Josh Connerly, I think that was that was kind of a shot heard around the world in recruiting. You know, um, I don't have the details on that, but it, yeah. Um, 
but I agree with you. Like this would be a hell of a get for, for Tony Tokars. Um, I spoke to some guys who were coaches at the elite 11 and Brock Glenn did not have a good elite 11. He was one of the like less, least effective guys out there. And the consensus was his ceiling is as high as most of the best guys here. Uh, but the floor is also pretty low right now. He's fairly raw as a prospect. I think elite 11 did showcase some either bad habits or things that he needs to clean up in his game, uh, which we can get into more once he commits. But certainly the upside is is pretty high. Um, you also do want a guy at quarterback who, once he commits, seems interested in recruiting for you. And uh, I mean, I, I think Chris Parson does want to be a null. But again, like I said, there's a lot of people connected to recruiting. Or people around you. So who knows how that'll play out, right? If they do get Brock Lynn, does Parson bounce? Uh, I, if I had to bet on it, I would say yes, but I, I, I'm glad sometimes I don't have to bet on this stuff because it is, it is difficult to forecast. Yep. I think uh, neither Glenn or Parson is a, a quarterback that you're fully comfortable being the only one in the class. Both of them have upside that, uh, you know, taken, taken two or fairly complimentary pieces. And in theory, one of them works and one of them you can, you know, try to scratch whatever whatever that upper uh, floor or whatever that upper ceiling is, excuse me. Uh, so, yeah, I do think, and we've got a couple other kids that we want to talk about. I, I think Florida State uh, is not going to all of a sudden, like, take over the world in college football, but I do think Florida State's got their collective house in order. They've got – they're much more organized with how they're trying to execute some of this stuff. I think they have clarity on the resources that are available and how they want to use them. Yes. Um I I don't think Florida State's going to necessarily uh again I don't think they're going to beat out the Bamas and Georgias of the world but I do think they're going to recruit more historically to what their baseball card is uh of maybe like 6 through 12 somewhere in that area yeah. uh in time. <clears throat> I'm not saying this is going to happen in the next 2 weeks or something like that, but I I think Florida State's in a drastically better position which is not much of a comment because they were in a horrible situation. Uh, but I, I do think they've got a much better idea as to what the landscape is and how they can try to, uh, you know, find value and navigate, uh, you know, that of what they have resources to do. I agree with you on that. And, and I don't mean they can never beat out Bam and Georgia for a kid that those schools want. But I do mean that in the next year or two, they're not going to beat out Bama for like top 10 national players. Because there's just no need to take the risk. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Absolutely. Like those yeah. guys, if you're if you're one of the top ten best players in the entire country, you don't need to take the risk. You don't need to take the gamble. You had the son of maybe your most iconic player of all time choose yeah. Georgia last year, and supposedly he chose Georgia after reviewing whatever Alabama had had a three times multiple of what Florida State was ready to put in front of him. All right, so those two are just. Uh, shopping with a different credit card when it comes to uh, to uh, going out there and securing the goods that are needed for a, a college football program right now. So you lost Avery Stewart uh, to Kentucky. Um, you ever see how the Bengals and the Lions have to uh, still get free agents? Sometimes they have to overpay. And if you're, if you're competing in the market, you have to decide how much somebody's valued to you. Sometimes the Bengals and the Lions still sign free agents, even though most people probably don't want to live in Cincinnati. Sorry, Dana, uh, or uh, or Detroit. 
I, 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 yeah, guys, I think that's what happened there personally. And you just have to, you got to say, okay, fold, good fold. Um, I do think that they have a pretty good shot to get, get Kenton Kirkland safety out of Jacksonville Reigns. He was at the elite camp. Um, I do not think he is as good as a cover guy as Avery Stewart was. I think he's more of like a safety slash backer type player personally, but he does have really nice straight line speed and a good frame on him. Uh, at, you know, 24-7 Sports has him as a four-star. I think they're in a pretty good spot uh, for him. Um, guy up your way, by the way, A.J. Thurman. Tight end. They're fighting Michigan State. They're fighting a couple other schools. If they get him, I think that's an upgrade over Randy Pittman, though. Yeah, I agree. So not all nice things guy. are bad. And hey, a tight end. Oh, my gosh. Like a, a quality tight end. <laughs> we'll see. Um, that would be interesting. I think they actually have a real shot to get him. I would not completely count them out for linebacker Blake Nicholson out of California. Like I know all the crystal balls are on Oregon, uh, but I look, you have some special connections there that make me think that you actually have a legitimate shot uh, to land him. And then one last guy I wanted to talk about here. Did you see uh, Hakeem Williams throw up the chop? I love seeing kids throw up the chop. Uh, the you know wide receiver wearing receiver gloves. I don't make too much out of and i'm not gonna tell you i make too much out of the chop either but uh it's always nice to see an elite high school prospect throw up the chop and uh if you're looking for elite top of the top skill position players that florida state has a chance to sign uh the list certainly starts with hakeem it might end there as well but uh, for purposes of this conversation we'll just say it starts with hakeem williams i think florida state's positioned themselves well i said this on social media earlier in the week now you can position yourself well and finish third to Bama and AM or Georgia and AM uh, with a kid. But as of right now, I think Florida State's done a good job realizing that if, uh, you know, there's an avenue to them signing a, a truly elite skill kid, uh, this is the one. And uh, hey, they're going after him. So this should be fun. You know, sometimes you got to whale hunt and uh, go after it and see if this program can, can grab a elite skill kid when literally some of the largest names in NIL are also going after him. So, uh, you know that meme, like, do X so I know it's real? Have you ever seen that? Um, we'll do this. Hakeem Williams. Show up at, Sem at Seminole Showtime on July 30th so we know it's real. Like, that, it, if he shows up to Tallahassee on July 30th and not College Station and not Athens, because everybody's competing out there. Like, this is... This is Judgment Day weekend, man. Like this, mm -hmm. this is, this is, this is like qualifying weekend to get in the race, right? If, if, if this is a kid you have not got on your campus recently, and you need to get him on your campus, and you don't get him on your campus, you know where you stand. If he shows up on July thirtieth, though, I think we can put FSU as a legitimate competitor for Ikemlays, and they would continue. They would need to do all the things you're going to need to do, right? You're going to need to have a competitive NIL program, obviously, once kids get on campus, of course. You can't you know, give NIL to Florida kids before they get on campus, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All right. You're going to need to win more ball games than I think they might win. You're going to need to have a more impressive passing offense than I might forecast for it. And you're going to need to probably have either Brock Glenn or Chris Parson or both make a real good connection with this kid down the stretch. But if he shows up July 30th, that's the first step. That's the one you got to be looking for. 
Jalen Brown was a wide receiver that we frequently talked about uh, when talking of Hakeem Williams. Brown picks LSU over Miami. Uh, interesting development there to see a South Florida kid uh, choose to go, choose to go, uh, you know, up the state and west on I ten to play in Baton Rouge. I think there's something here. Uh, do you remember what I said about Avery Stewart? You know, for a long time, I thought that regardless of where Jalen Brown committed to, that he would end up at Miami. And now I think that uh, uh, that Miami is probably going to focus its effort on Andy Jean. So I, I think some people in um, uh, in South Florida are uh, are valuing him differently. Okay. Then, then some programs outside and some rankings have him. Fair enough. I I, that, that way, I can say that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's fair. I think it's also there's. By the way, uh, can I make a correction real quick? I, I think I said AJ Thurman because I had I, I had AJ Harris on the brain. Uh, it, Jelani Thurman, excuse me. Got it, Jelani Thurman, the kid here out of Georgia. Um, yeah, look, I've got a friend of mine who coaches uh, in the uh, in the lesser league of college football, uh, kind of that second division. I've got a friend that's coaching on one of the three biggest staffs in the country right now. Both of them tell me the same thing. The market is ridiculous with some of these kids right now with NIL. And some of these kids, we just have to walk out of the room because we just can't fathom the number that's being put in front of us. Uh, and that's up and down the scale of college football. And it's not standardized. It's not standardized. And all it takes is one aggressive booster to look online and say, yeah, hell yeah, I want the number six wide receiver in the country and I'll give X. It's uh, It's going to take going to take at least two to three classes to get any kind of level here yeah uh, obviously in time you know the market will continue to adjust and uh, you can look at various sports examples of that over time but right now uh, some of the requests are I mean, I mean i think people are just throwing out numbers just to see if five people will say no because again if you get one yes uh, good for you hats off to you um i totally agree and Look, man, there are kids who we've heard about in the rankings who are same position within like two or three spots of each other who are getting like $100,000 different per year. That Like the, it is wild that the differences in some of these guys. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I, let's let's just enter, entertain this real quick. Seems like the staff is not concerned about signing top 15 classes, but building in the portal instead. Don't know why we aren't getting traction with top kids. Well, uh, the new coach smell is worn off, right? At a certain point, you have to sell success as opposed to hope and a vision. This staff had the very unfortunate situation, which is not their fault, but it is the reality that their new coach smell was kind of wasted on that whole 18 months of COVID. So guys were not able to get up and visit and make those connections. So now they're sort of having to sell what their track record is on the field at FSU as opposed to what it was at Memphis, and that's very difficult. So that's really why you aren't getting traction with top kids right now for the most part. It, it's it's fairly fairly simple. Uh, if they end up having success here as a staff, it'll be incremental. It will not be all of a sudden, boom, like now like they go from signing the top 20 class to like a top four class. It'll probably be an incremental, hey, they won more games this year, they won more games the next year type thing, in my opinion. 
I do think that there's uh, a little bit of reliance on the portal and uh, you know, it's great to get a guy like Johnson and, and Thomas and you've certainly found some really nice pieces in the portal, but I, I do think that there's a, a little bit of an idea as to, Hey, if we whiff on some of these kids, uh, we'll go grab portal guys. But uh, that that's honestly a whole nother kind of 20 minute conversation that I'm not sure I want to derail us with right now. But uh, I, I think the commenter's point about the portal and maybe them having that in the back of their mind is valid. Um, one group that we'd always ask that you have in the back of your mind, uh, the great people at congruity, Matt Lewis is, uh, somebody that we've been fortunate to work with, uh, as our own small company, I've mentioned on this podcast a couple of times, he's working, uh, with the podcast agency that I work for now. Uh, I just can't speak highly enough about Matt, his level of service. Uh, there's a lot of different players in that market. One really dominant one. And, uh, I can promise you, you're not just, a you know, account number and a, a revenue figure uh, when you work with Congruity. You work with Matt and his team. CongruityHR.com is the website. We ask that you give them a 10-minute phone call, just explore whether or not there's a relationship there and uh, talk a little bit of Florida State football in the meantime. I'm also uh, more than happy to make a introduction uh, to you if you would like that. Then that's been a common route that many of our listeners have chosen. Feel free to DM me. Uh, as a, a listener did just uh, a week ago. So congruity, Matt Lewis, thank you much for making this conversation possible. Uh, and we would encourage any of y'all to give them a look. If you're looking for uh, help in the field of payroll or uh, other areas, as far as trying to figure out the maximum efficiency of your company. No doubt about it, man. Um, let me see any other recruiting stuff from the chat. Uh like, do I think they're going to get Jelani Thurman? Uh, again, it's kind of in that whole, like, you know, he took an OV to Bama and to Ohio State, you know, and Auburn and Michigan State. Uh, so I, I, that's a kid they're still in on, like that they, that they still like. Well, we'll see. I, I'm not convinced, but I'm just saying, like, if they were to somehow pull that off, it would be, I think, an upgrade over Randy Pippen. You know, uh, Chad checks into the chat. What's going on, Chad? Dude, we, we gave you an awesome shout out. You got to go back and listen. It's it's fantastic. Um, no, you don't want to live on the portal. I'm sorry. You, you just that's that's not what you want to do because you're not getting that high end player consistently in the portal. You know, but it's sad to say, most of those guys in the portal are still there for a reason. It's not a good one. Some of them in the portal are are there for a good reason. You know. All right. Uh, let's see here. You want to talk a little expansion? We are at 47 minutes, man. That is uh, that's a lot of minutes. I'd almost rather punt expansion, to be honest with you, because one, I don't think anything's happening in the next 48 hours or something. We can do like it. That. We can do it Thursday. Um, and I don't really want to rush through this because this is a pretty layered uh, yeah. conversation here. You want to talk Keldrick Falk? Yes, absolutely. All right. Keldrick Falk is a really nice kid for FSU. It's a player that I feel like they identified. And this is a perfect example, in my opinion, of what they need to be doing, right? Remember how I said they need to live in that sort of 100 to 450 range? Kelder Kvok is 84th in the country on the composite. He's like 110th or something on the 24-7 sports, you know, top 247. That's what you need to be doing. You're not going to get a whole lot of kids in that top 100 right now. You're probably not going to get any kids in that top 10. He's a developmental guy with a long, wide frame, who's already a good player. And if you do the development right, 
it could hit into something really, really nice, right? Like he could be a legitimate NFL pick. He's gone to a verified camp. Like he's actually six foot five. That's that's impressive. He also does some basketball. You know, he also plays some tight end. It, it, I got to tell you, man, like it's a pretty nice gift for them to be able to play on the edge. I, I think he's also a dude who, you know, maybe he can be two, 270 at the end, but I think maybe you start him out. Could he be a stand-up guy for you? That's possible. Uh, you know, a little bit of a, of a smaller school, but I'm, I'm excited to watch him. He's rated as your number one player in the class right now. Personally, like I have not seen Keldrick Falk at the camp. I didn't. I didn't go to the one he went to that our guys covered. But I do think that I would take Simmons over him because I have seen Simmons. And I think Simmons is pretty damn good, hmm. like legitimately good. Uh, I think Falk's really nice get for you though. It's a great get. It is uh, the type of kid that you were talking about, and a good uh, get for for Papuchas. Uh, you really kind of have Odell Papuchas. Atkins and then some question marks as to what the rest of the staff's doing on the recruiting trail. Uh, but also I want to point out it's a nice gift from Mike Norvell, heavily involved in this recruitment. Uh, I don't think it's a real, you know, secret to tell you that Mike kind of went over last year on kids that he made uh, a priority and and really went after. And a lot of those are the uh situations that we've talked about and referenced a couple of times in this podcast already with some of the more high profile losses. But uh Norvell uh, there's a lot of different people on this staff who deserve some accolade uh, from, uh, you know, working with a kid during the COVID years on Zoom calls and establishing the relationship. Papuchas selling them on development and Mike Norvell selling them on a level of care, concern and, uh, you know, hands on approach from a head coach that you might not find on in other programs. So a great win. Uh, hey, look, if, if you want to argue whether it's Simmons or this kid is your best prospect, Great to have him along the line of scrimmage. And uh, this one was a, a really nice get for Florida State as well. No doubt about it. And uh, you're right to shout out Pooches. He's doing a nice job. Um, question yeah. about Miami. We, we beat Miami and they're getting five stars. I think it's just a new coach thing or that Miami money. I, 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 think it's, I think it's both, guys. Like the new coach smell is a real thing. Like you do get a, a bump from selling hope and hype. When you run out of hope and hype, you better have some results to sell. It's just that simple. Um, do you think we have any Patreon questions that we didn't actually hit tonight? Um, I'm trying, to look, trying to look through this real quick on on the uh, on the list. I think we hit most of them, uh, and the other ones that we didn't get to the conference realignment. A conference realignment, yeah. If we, okay, I'll we just, did, I'll scroll on through here. Um, Oh, uh, so Chase Chase asks, uh, who would you take all time in a draft of recruiters at FSU, Alex Atkins or Odell? I I think it's I think it's Odell, man. Personally, like Alex Atkins is a stud right now. Odell, like yeah, man. Odell's one of the better. Travis Johnson, Darnell Dockett, like he's like five star from there, five star from there. <laughs> Maryland, Cali. Texas, I went, come on I went to D.C., I went to Maryland, I went to California. Yeah, uh, yeah absolutely. O o Odell was Delta Diamond before there was Delta Diamond and, and you know, just million-miler pull, pulling five-star DTs from around the country. So, I, uh, I, with all Odell's, respect to Alex Atkins, uh, yeah, man. That is. That's fun to talk about history and individual position coaches. Uh, Florida State certainly had 
some success there way back in the day for the old heads. Uh, had a position coach by the name of Jim Gladden that went out and did work in the state of Texas uh, to the point to where if you look at a lot of those early dynasty teams, they were filled with you know kids from Dallas Carter and Tyler, Texas and stuff like that. And uh, Jim Gladden back in his day was a, was a hell of a, a position coach and a, a great recruiter and a guy that would probably all be on the Florida State Mount Rushmore, if you want to just use the laziest sports talk analogy possible of all-time recruiting uh, position coaches in Florida State history. So, agree with you. And also, remember when he left and they had Jody Allen? Yes, like, I do like, remember that. Oh, my so, God, the drop-off was Talk ridiculous. about uh, the reverse of, of the old upgrade button. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, that's uh, our, our – well, Jody Allen passed um, – shoot last year actually unfortunately oh, all right but um the uh what was i gonna say oh speaking of expansion did you see that uh nasa put out that uh thing about the universe expanding <laughs> uh, i didn't i saw the picture from the telescope that was or whatever was recently put up there that was supposedly like the best picture of the galaxies uh ever taken and uh, something that they were like 13.8 billion years away or million years or I don't know, long time. And looking at stuff like that can certainly make you feel awful small, but very cool <laughs> at the same time. Um, here you go. So from Connor, he asks, so what would number would Norvell need to hit to be able to go out and get better assistant coaches? I know there wasn't enough stability in the eyes of other coaches to come on board after this year. Does winning change that or has the ship already sailed? So that's a fascinating question, right? Because if you don't win enough, is the administration really going to let you go out and make changes if it's uncertain how much extra time you have? Uh, are they really going to spend that money? And like Connor brings up, those other assistant coaches might want to bring in might have the same perception of you as a program. If you win a ton, are you really going to make that many changes? Like what? What's the what's the sweet spot number for Mike Norvell to say, "Hey, we got this done. We got some wins." But I feel like to get where I need to get to, which is not eight wins, but eventually, you know, winning 10, 11, 12 ball games. What what's the number there? Is it like is it eight? If he goes that wins eight, but not ten, is that uh no, I, I think eight's the number. If you if you get eight, I, I think you'll be able to sell enough you can tell Mike Alford, hey man, enough security on to the candidates that you're pursuing, and you'll have enough support from your athletic director. Uh yeah, I think if you can win win seven and and win a bowl game, this is one of the strange uh years where i think of this you're in that place as a program where if bowl games ever matter they matter in a year like this they matter where a coach is desperately trying to gain credibility with a, a fan base and and needs however many w's he can put next to his name if you can get seven regular seasons win a bowl game i think you you know you're not going to be able to go out and poach you know, you're not going to be able to take defensive back coach from georgia or something like that but uh you'll be able to go out and get quality guys and be able to give them some degree of confidence that they'll get the, you know, their standard two years out of it. You know what I was looking for here on Google? I, I can't find it in my email. Who does FSU play in 2023, like in the ACC? You know what I'm saying? Um, well, we don't, like I, do we know with the implementation of three, three, five? I thought they released this. I, I thought, I, I thought I remember reading this and now I cannot find this in my email. This is this is what, what happens when we decide to extend the show a little bit, but we go off script. Um, 2023 fbschedules.com future schedules. 
I don't know. Maybe somebody in the chat knows. This is I mean, we're a little, little bit later at night here. Um, uh, do you see us getting in on any of the Central Florida linebackers FSU's to own this area of the state? I'm not sure they like them. Some of those guys, to be honest, I, I think they would have they would offered them and pursued them harder if they actually liked them. Now you can disagree with that, you know, if you want, and I don't necessarily disagree with you, but uh, I think. I think their linebacker recruiting right now is awful picky. Maybe not in a good way necessarily. So uh, Tim Brewster, no, I, I would say no on that. Um, people are greeting uh, or are agreeing with Jim Gladden there. Nice. Yeah, I, I, I know who the opponent is. Um, like the the non the non set opponents, like the rotating ones. You know. Duke, Virginia Tech, and Pitt is uh, the suggestion from one listener. So Duke, Vitek, and Pitt plus Clemson, Miami, and Syracuse. That's only six games. Okay, here we go. Duke, Miami, Syracuse, Virginia Tech, Boston College, Clemson, Pitt, Wake Forest. See, I, I think that's that's a great 2023 schedule, most likely. Duke is probably not going to be very far along in their rebuild. We'll have to see how the Hokies are. Syracuse probably has a new coach. If I had to bet on it, Miami could be very good if Van Dyke comes back. Obviously, and they're with the way they're doing, and they're, they're like they're you know they're spending in the free agency of the transfer portal. They, they should be pretty damn good every year. Boston College loses Jerkovic. Uh, Clemson should be really damn good. Pitt is an extremely senior laden team this year, so uh, you know more more than likely they'll be losing quite a bit off this team. And Wake Forest again, I think is pretty pretty senior laden this year so thanks guys i don't know why this is not coming up in my email um but yeah that's that's solid nice all right that's uh it's 59 minutes really appreciate all the listeners and viewers on this excellent work um also uh shout out to adam brown who was hitting us up early in the chat Make sure you go watch him and uh, Coach Kev's film review breakdown on Knowles 24-7 YouTube show. Really excited with what those guys are doing with that channel, by the way. And like, obviously, anytime we can go and, and get, you know, I, uh, Kevin was not one of my OGs at Tomahawk, but, but certainly, you know, Adam was early on in the process. So really happy for those guys that they're over there, um, you know, doing great things. So check that out and we will see. I think... Uh, I think Mags is doing like a dinner with one of her girlfriends on Thursday. So maybe we could do another episode on Thursday. Fantastic. Hope to do that then. As always, appreciate the uh, support. Thanks for checking in. If you were here with us live tonight, fun to uh, do this. Hadn't done it in a little while. Uh, so thanks for the uh, support of the podcast, live stream, however you may get us. Look forward to talking to you later this week. Uh, but for now, this has been the Nolcast. I have stickers on my shirt, I realized. That's great. <laughs> that's a dad life man look at that <laughs> fantastic all right we'll see you guys